The French Revolution and History by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 1 Book 7, The Insurrection of Women Chapter 10, The Grand Entries This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan Book 7, Chapter 10, The Grand Entries The dull dawn of a new morning drizzly and chill, had but broken over Versailles when it pleased destiny that a bodyguard should look out of the window on the right wing of the chateau to see what prospect there was in heaven and in earth. Rascality, male and female, is prowling in view of him. His fasting stomach is, with good cause, sour. He perhaps cannot forbear a passing malice on, on them, least of all can he forbear answering such. Ill words breed worse, till the worst word came, and then the ill deed. Did the maledecent bodyguard, getting, as was too inevitable, better malediction than he gave, load his musketoon and threaten to fire, and actually fire? Were wise who wist, it stands asserted, to us not credibly. Be this as it may, menaced rascality in whinnying scorn is shaking at all greats, the fastening of one, some write it was a chain merely, gives way. Rascality is in the grand court, whinnying louder still. The maledecent bodyguard, more bodyguards than he, do now give fire. A man's arm is shattered. La Quintre will depose that the Sieur Cardin, a national guard without arms, was stabbed. But see, sure enough, poor Jérôme Leretier, an unarmed national guard, he too cabinet-maker, a saddler's son of Paris, with the down of youthhood still on his chin, he reels death-stricken, rushes to the pavement, scattering it with his blood and brains. Allelu! Wilder than Irish wakes rises the howl of pity, of infinite revenge. In few moments the great of the inner and inmost court, which they name Court of Marble, this too is forced or surprised and burst open. The Court of Marble too is overflowed. Up the grand staircase, up all stairs and entrances, rushes the living deluge. Deschutes and Varigny, the two sentry bodyguards, are trodden down, are massacred with a hundred pikes. Women snatch their cutlasses or any weapon and storm in, monadic. Other women lift the corpse of shot Jerome, lay it down on the marble steps. There shall the livid face and smashed head, dumb forever, speak. Woe now to all bodyguards. Mercy is none for them. Miomandre de Saint-Marie pleads with soft words on the grand staircase, descending four steps to the roaring tornado. His comrades snatch him up by the skirts and belts, literally from the jaws of destruction, and slam to their door. This also will stand few instants, the panels shivering in like potsherds. Barricading serves not. Fly fast, ye bodyguards, rabid insurrection like the hellhound chase, uproaring at your heels. The terror-struck bodyguards fly, bolting and barricading. It follows witherward, through hall on hall. Woe now towards the Queen's suite of rooms, in the furthest room of which the Queen is now asleep. Five sentinels rush through that long suite. They are in the anteroom, knocking loud. Save the Queen! Trembling women fall at their feet with tears, are answered, Yes, we will die! Save ye the Queen! Tremble not, women, but haste, for lo, another voice shouts far through the outermost door, Save the Queen! and the door shut. It is brave Miomandra's voice that shouts this second warning. He has stormed across imminent death to do it, fronts imminent death having done it. 
brave tar de du repair bent on the same desperate service was borne down with pikes his comrades hardly snatched him in again alive miamondra and tar de let the names of these two bodyguards as the names of brave men should live long trembling maids of honour one of whom from afar caught glimpse of miamondra as well as heard him hastily wrap the queen not in robes of state she flies for her life across the oe de boeuf against the main door of which two insurrection batters she is in the king's apartment in the king's arms she clasps her children amid a faithful few the imperial hearted bursts into mother's tears oh my friend save me and my children oh mes amis sauvez moi mes enfants the battering of insurrectionary axes clangs audible across the oe de boeuf what an hour Yes, friends, a hideous, fearful hour, shameful alike to governed and governor, wherein governed and governor ignominiously testify that their relation is at an end. Rage, which had brewed itself in twenty thousand hearts for the last four and twenty hours, has taken fire. Jerome's brained corpse lies there as live coal. It is, as we said, the infinite element bursting in, wild surging through all corridors and conduits. Meanwhile, the poor bodyguards have got hunted mostly into the oil de boeuf. They may die there at the king's threshold. They can do little to defend it. They are heaping tabourets, stools of honour, benches and all movables against the door at which the axe of insurrection thunders. But did brave Miomondra perish then at the queen's door? No. He was fractured, slashed, lacerated, left for dead. He has nevertheless crawled hither and shall live honoured of loyal France. Remark also, in flat contradiction to much which has been said and sung, that insurrection did not burst that door he had defended, but hurried elsewhere, seeking new bodyguards. Poor bodyguards with their Thyestes opera repast. Well for them, that insurrection has only pikes and axes, no right sieging tools. It shakes and thunders. Must they all perish miserably and royalty with them? Deschutes and Varigny, massacred at the first inbreak, have been beheaded in the marble court, a sacrifice to Jerome's mayonnaise. Jourdain with the tile beard did that duty willingly and asked if there were any more. Another captive they are leading round the corpse with howl chauntings. May not Jourdain again tuck up his sleeves? And louder and louder rages insurrection within, plundering if it cannot kill. Louder and louder it thunders at the oe de boeuf. What can now hinder its bursting in? On a sudden it ceases. The battering has ceased. While rushing, the cries grow fainter. There is silence, or the tramp of regular steps. Then a friendly knocking. We are the Centre Grenadiers, old Garde Francaise. Open to us, Monsieur of the Garde du Corps. We have not forgotten how you saved us at Fontenoy. The door is opened. Enter Captain Gondron and the Centre Grenadiers. There are military embracings. There is sudden deliverance from death into life. Strange sons of Adam, it was to exterminate these Garde du Corps that the Centre Grenadiers left home, and now they have rushed to save them from extermination. The memory of common peril, of old help, melts the rough heart. Bosom is clasped to bosom, not in war. The king shows himself one moment through the door of his apartment with, Do not hurt my guards! Soyons frères, let us be brothers! cries Captain Gondron, and again dashes off with levelled bayonets to sweep the palace clear. 
Now to Lafayette, suddenly roused, not from sleep, for his eyes had not yet closed, arrives with passionate popular eloquence, with prompt military word of command. National guards, suddenly roused by sound of trumpet and alarm drum, are all arriving. The death melee ceases. The first sky-lambent blaze of insurrection is got damped down. It burns now, if unextinguished, yet flameless, as charred coals do, and not inextinguishable. The king's apartments are safe. Ministers, officials, and even some loyal national deputies are assembling round their majesties. The consternation will, with sobs and confusion, settle down gradually into plan and counsel, better or worse. But glance now for a moment from the royal windows. A roaring sea of human heads inundating both courts, billowing against all passages, monadic women, infuriated men, mad with revenge, with love of mischief, love of plunder. Rascality has slipped its muzzle, and now bays three-throated like the dog of Erebus. Fourteen bodyguards are wounded, two massacred, and as we saw, beheaded. Jourdain asking, was it worth while to come so far for two? Hapless Deschutes and Varigny, their fate surely was sad, whirled down so suddenly to the abyss as men are suddenly from the wide thunder of the mountain avalanche, awakened not by them, awakened far off by others. When the chateau clock last struck, they too were pacing languid with poised musketoon, anxious mainly that the next hour would strike. It has struck, to them inaudible. Their trunks lie mangled, their heads parade on pikes twelve feet long through the streets of Versailles, and shall about noon reach the barriers of Paris, a too ghastly contradiction to the large comfortable placards that have been posted there. The other captive bodyguard is still circling the corpse of Jerome, amid Indian war-whooping, bloody tile-beard with tucked sleeves brandishing his bloody axe when Gondron and the grenadiers come in sight. Comrades, will you see a man massacred in cold blood? Off butchers, answer they, and the poor bodyguard is free. Busy runs Gondron, busy runs guard and captains, scouring at all corridors, dispersing rascality and robbery, sweeping the palace clear. The mangled carnage is removed, Jerome's body to the town hall for inquest, the fire of insurrection gets damped more and more into measurable, manageable heat. Transcendent things of all sorts, as in the general outburst of multitudinous passion, are huddled together, the ludicrous, nay, the ridiculous, with the horrible. Far over the billowy sea of heads may be seen rascality, caprioling on horses from the royal stud. The spoilers these, for patriotism is always infected so with a proportion of mere thieves and scoundrels. Gondron snatched their prey from them in the chateau, whereupon they hurried to the stables and took horses there. But the generous Diomedes' steeds, according to Weber, disdained such scoundrel burden, and flinging up their royal heels did soon project most of it in parabolic curves to a distance amid peals of laughter, and were caught. Mounted National Guard secured the rest. Now too is witnessed the touching last flicker of etiquette which sinks not here in the Sumerian world wreckage without a sign, as the house cricket might still chirp in the pealing of a trump of doom. Monsieur, said some master of ceremonies, one hope it might be de Breze, as Lafayette in these fearful moments was rushing towards the inner royal apartment. Monsieur le Rat vous accorde les grandes entrées, monsieur. 
The king grants you the grand entries, not finding it convenient to refuse them. End of Book 7, Chapter 10